Well, this next figure in church history is John Bunyan. We considered John Owen the last time, and there's a fair bit of overlap between those two guys, as we heard last time. Before we get into Bunyan's life, I want to start with the scripture from 1 Timothy 1.15. 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul says, This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That expression uh, in the King James is referred to as the chief of sinners or the sinner's chief. And that's a, a direct line out of Bunyan's autobiography on grace abounding to the chief of sinners, which we'll consider as we work forward. The first question is, who was John Bunyan? John Bunyan was born in England in 1628. His father was a tinker or someone who mended damaged pots and pans, which John himself would later take up as his own craft. John's family owned some land and properties, and some have suggested that the family wasn't quite as hard, as hard off as he indicated in his autobiography, and yet he, in his own words, said that his family had been relatively poor. John had a meager education, but he is, he is noted as having developed an avid interest in reading as a young man. He would enlist in the army at the age of 16, or somewhere between 15 and 16, so right around his 16th birthday. Uh, close to then, he enlisted in the army. And one interesting story from his time during the army, on one occasion... Uh, Bunyan's, I guess, uh, the group of people that he was serving with, I don't know what they called it at the time, it was battalion or whatever, they were sent on a siege mission. And at the last minute, a different soldier in his group, they traded places with him. So Bunyan ended up staying back, and this one went ahead. Well, the guy who took his place ended up getting shot in the head and killed. And that's interesting, especially because Bunyan was not converted yet at this time. You can already see the Lord's providence in protecting Bunyan. Shortly after his military service, he would meet and marry his first wife, though her name is not recorded. And Bunyan was unconverted still at the time that he got married, but his wife is said to have been an extremely avid Christian who prayed diligently for him and often tried to influence him toward conversion. They would go on to have four children together, their oldest child, whose name was Mary, was born blind. Bunyan would come under, in the next couple of years, deep conviction over his sin, and he wrestled desperately with his own conversion. He, uh, he heard a sermon preached by the Puritan preacher at the church that his wife encouraged him to go to, where she was a part of, um, on honoring the Lord on the Lord's day. And he was pretty well known for doing frivolous things on the Lord's day, playing games and different things. And he felt so convicted by his disregard for the Lord's day, he was actually afraid to go into the church building. He would listen outside the church building because he was afraid the church bell above the building was going to fall on him and kill him on his way in. He was just so terrified from his own sense of guilt and sin. And apparently this went on for a few years. It's detailed in his autobiography. Um, until one day he overheard a conversation between a few women. They were discussing the gospel, and it wasn't until he heard these women, handful of women, extremely 
biblically knowledgeable women talking about the gospel, that his confidence that God had forgiven him was effectually applied to his own heart. Soon after, he would join the church, which was located in Bedford, that these women were members at. And in a short time, he would be recognized as having an exceptional preaching gift and would become the pastor there. In 1658, his first wife died, leaving him to care for their four children by himself and still the oldest child, Mary, being blind. He would remarry a younger woman, an 18-year-old younger woman named Elizabeth, a year after his first wife died. And then Bunyan would go on to engage in various aspects of ministry, including, but not limited to, over 60 written works. Most notably, as we'll consider more towards the end, the Pilgrim's Progress. The second question is, what was the state of the church during the life of John Bunyan? John Bunyan's early years corresponded to a great flourishing among English Puritans when he was a young man and unconverted. However, in 1660, not many years after he began preaching, the monarchy which was restored. Now that had a big impact on Bunyan. Up until this point, there had been religious tolerance which allowed for Bunyan and other similarly minded nonconformists to preach. With the monarchy back in power, they began to deny the practice of religion other than their own within the Anglican church. Prior to this shift in power, Bunyan's own congregation had been sharing a meeting place with the Anglican congregation. And then after this shift in power in the Anglican church through the monarchy begins forbidding these nonconformists to meet for worship, they kicked them out of the meeting place and they were no longer allowed to meet. And after this, Bunyan and his congregation began meeting for worship at a farm outside of Bedford, about 13 miles outside of Bedford, they were meeting at a farm. Um, warrants would soon be issued for his arrest, and I believe he was actually notified during a service at this farm on one occasion that there was a, a warrant out for his arrest. On the grounds of him having religious meetings somewhere other than the local parish of more than five people outside your own family. And see, there was a, a law that had been instituted, instituted an act really uh, back even in the, the, late, the late 1500s that, that uh, was on the books which would forbid this meeting of more than five people outside your immediate family um, for, for worship except at the local parish, but it really wasn't being enforced. And it's suspected that at the time they were potentially afraid that they were using this meeting time in order to basically stir up and build a militia against the monarchy. That was the suspicion it's suggested. Um, and at that time, this particular, uh, there would be laws written later that would go on, um, they would go on to expressly forbid the nonconformist worship, but at the time they did not exist yet. And the, the crime of breaking this law was punishable by up to three months of prison, followed by banishment or execution if the criminal did not recant or vow not to meet in a like manner again. Because Bunyan refused to recant or stop preaching, his sentence was extended to 12 years. Three months extended out to 12 years. There's one quote by Bunyan where he said that he would soon, he would, he would, uh, how do you word it? He said that he would wait until 
uh, the moss grew over his eyelids before he recanted of his position on the scriptures and his conviction that God had called him to preach. But because he refused to stop preaching, his sentence was extended to 12 years. And during this time, his second wife would deliver a stillborn child. And it's attributed to the stress of her dealing with all the circumstances around his imprisonment, as well as raising his four other children by herself. And during that time, his family relied almost exclusively on the charity of fellow church members to support them. However, Bunyan did what he could by selling shoelaces. He would make shoelaces in prison and sell them for a very, very insufficient amount of income, which had to be supplemented by church members. A quote from Bunyan during this time of the toll that it took on him being locked in prison while his family was basically left uh, defenseless, as he says, Oh, I saw in this condition I was a man who was pulling down his house upon the head of his wife and children. Yet I thought, I must do it. I must do it. His conscience was captive to the Scriptures and God's calling upon him to preach. And the Lord was faithful even through the church family there to provide for his family. It reminded me somewhat of James Coates in Canada who was arrested during COVID lockdowns for meeting for worship and how the church, they really banded together around his wife and kids while he was in prison. Uh, a very similar type of thing that uh, Bunyan endured here during his own imprisonment. And you need to understand that if Bunyan would have just said, okay, I won't preach anymore, then they would have let him out and that would have been the end of it. It wouldn't have been an ongoing thing. But his refusal to recognize the Anglican parish as the only legitimate place of worship and his refusal to stop preaching meant that he was kept in prison most of the time. However, Bunyan was allowed to have a Bible and a copy of John Fox's book of Christian Martyrs. If you have not read Fox's book of Christian Martyrs, I encourage you to read it. It is compelling and gripping. And I'll tell you this, if you're anything like me, you won't be able to read it. It's not a big book, but you won't be able to read it, read it in a single setting. At least I wasn't, because shortly through it, you're reading these accounts of Christians suffering and facing death and martyrdom for Christ. And you just will be brought to tears and have to put it down and stop for a minute and then take it up again. So he had Fox's Book of Martyrs in his Bible, and he was also given some materials to write with. The first book that he would publish is his own autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, is what it's called. And occasionally, he would even be released for short periods of time. And whenever he was released, outside of seeing his family, he also sought to minister to the congregation uh, in any way that he could. He would go on to be released in 1672. And as soon as he was released, he obtained a license to preach under a declaration of indulgence is what it was called. They allowed for these nonconformists to be free to preach. There was a, a move at that time after he's been in prison for 12 years to have some more leniency towards and tolerance towards uh, other religiously minded people. And he, uh, he immediately continued preaching and writing as soon as he was let out. And then soon after began traveling abroad as an evangelist. He would adopt a, a um, term of endearment. People commonly referred to him just simply as Bishop Bunyan. 
He would go on later in his life to have another six month stay in prison in 1676 for failing to attend the Anglican parish during another political shift within Anglicanism, but would soon continue preaching and ministry after that. That was the state of the church during Bunyan's life. This power dynamic struggle between the monarchy and the church of England and the nonconformists, Baptists and and folks of that ilk. The third question is, what impact did John Bunyan have upon the church? John Bunyan's most notable work, The Pilgrim's Progress, would go on to be the most read book in the world, second only to the Bible. The Christian allegory has remained one of the most impactful resources of Christian literature, even to this day. I've got a quote here by Charles Spurgeon. He says this of Bunyan. Read anything by John Bunyan and you will see that it is almost like reading the Bible itself. Why, the man is a living Bible. Prick him anywhere and you'll find that his blood is bibline. The very essence of the Bible flows from him. That was Charles Spurgeon's attitude towards John Bunyan. I read another account where Charles Spurgeon, uh, he said that he had read The Pilgrim's Progress over a hundred times in his life. It was his favorite book, second only to the Bible. He loved Bunyan, was significantly impacted by him. As a matter of fact, Spurgeon's grandfather had a copy of The Pilgrim's Progress in his attic, and Spurgeon recounts being moved by the images and illustrations in that book before he was even old enough to read. Just seeing the images depicting the pilgrims travel through the book. Bunyan's testimony of faithfulness during his imprisonment served as a mighty encouragement both to his church members as well as contemporary preachers such as John Owen. You remember, we recalled the last time where John Owen had um, made a reference whenever someone asked him why he had such an interest in this tinker, John Bunyan. And he said he would trade all of his learning and all of his education to be able to preach like that tinker. And not only that, not only was he impactful as an author and writer, um, and even to his own church and his contemporaries, but his zeal as an evangelist and burden for the souls of men, I believe would have stood out even if his written works had not garnished the attention that they did. Just a few notable works by John Bunyan, um, who, keep in mind, was basically uneducated. He was ostracized. He was opposed by the government in his day. And he was considered to be illegitimate and unworthy of the role of ministry. This is a nobody. And he's got these three primary works I would recommend to you are The Holy War, which he details and describes much in an allegorical way, the Christians battle and fight for practical holiness and sanctification and what that looks like. As well as I mentioned, his autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, and obviously the Pilgrim's Progress. He has many other works that are worth investigating though. Surely Bunyan's impact cannot be measured. And to think, his broadest reach came as a result of an unjust imprisonment. It reminds me somewhat of Paul and how impactful his letters, the majority of what he wrote in the New Testament, he wrote from a prison cell. And much like that, Bunyan uh, experienced the same. The fourth point is the death of John Bunyan. John Bunyan fell ill while traveling in 1688 after being caught in a storm. 
and he would die with a fever soon after at the age of 59. And the last point, last question is, how should the testimony of John Bunyan's life impact us today? The first thing I would suggest is that we all familiarize ourselves with as much of the works of John Bunyan as we can. And you can get the abridged versions. If you read the originals, the unabridged versions, they're in the old English style and sometimes they're difficult to read. But a lot of people have done really good work on his, his, his written works and making them more contemporary. Um, for him to have the impact that he did on Charles Spurgeon, who was likely the greatest preacher to ever live, that ought to compel us to find out why he had that kind of an impact on Charles Spurgeon, to read what he's written. If you were only to pick two, I would strongly suggest both his autobiography, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, and The Pilgrim's Progress. Secondly, I would say his life is a testament to God's willingness and power to work through the weakest and least likely figures. Many Christians today imagine that they, what they have to offer for God wouldn't amount to much. And my encouragement is that in light of Bunyan's life, that God's math doesn't always make sense to us. He can take nothing and do more with it than we could even dream of. Bunyan, he saw his life as one who was facing opposition, imprisonment, suffering, and his goal was simply to be faithful to his God through it all, and God blessed his labors. Finally, Bunyan is a mighty demonstration to us of perseverance and conviction. John Bunyan put his money where his mouth was, and he suffered severely for it. And I would suggest to us that if we're going to have convictions, if we're going to have convictions at all, let them be so grounded in the Bible and in the gospel of Christ that they're actually worth suffering for. My prayer is that God would raise up faithful men and women from among even our congregation to impact the world in a like way as he did John Bunyan. And I reiterate again the scripture from 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. Bunyan knew that about himself. And that's why his works are so impactful, is because everything that he wrote, he wrote in the light of his own sin and God's grace and his need for grace and the grace that is ours in Christ. He was convinced of these things. And he was glorifying God and would have been saying those things whether he was writing them and distributing them or not. And so I pray that's encouraging to you. And There's a whole lot more that could be said about this man. I encourage you to look more into his life as you're able. And pray that God would bless and encourage us by that testimony. So I'll go ahead and bow and close in prayer. And then we can gather and pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you for John Bunyan. I thank you for the impact that his labors have had not only on me, but on my own children and countless others. Father, I pray that you would use us, Lord, not that we should aspire to fame or great influence in that way in and of itself, but Father, that you would be pleased to use us exactly in the ways that you have equipped and called us to be used. Father, I pray that all this would be to your glory and your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.